0: It's sometimes easier to say, blessed be your name, when you're in that place where everything's great, everything's wonderful. It's, as we said in the song, it's all as it should be. All that you can imagine it would be is great. But when the times are more challenging, when you're going through a greater difficulty... When things just don't fit in a place. Can we still praise the Lord's name? Do we have that hope in the desert place? I watched the news about a week ago. and I couldn't help but be moved by the situation in Yemen. You know Here is um, the poorest country of the Middle East to begin with. You know, if you go back 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, it's the poorest of the Middle Eastern countries. And it's had civil war. And it's had blockades against the ports. So not only has there been death and destruction from the direct violence, but there is now famine. And then on top of that, um, there is what's been uh, declared the world's largest cholera outbreak. Um, More than a million people have suffered with cholera in the past couple of years. And when you see things like that, things like children scavenging on a rubbish dump trying to find food. how we might think, how some people might ask us, can you have anything but despair? There is darkness in the world. But there is also hope. When we turn to the scriptures... We see a message of God's light and hope that is woven from the beginning of time. It's there as God speaks to the patriarchs. It's there coming through the prophets. It comes alive in Jesus and one day will be seen in all its fullness. Jeremiah, you might remember from our service on the morning of Remembrance Sunday, was familiar with being in a place of conflict. We're, We're only just over the page from that reading, we're only into the next chapter. He is still a prisoner within a besieged city. He is still suffering at the hands of the unjust king who rules the land not that he rules much of the land anymore because the Babylonians are at the gate homes are being demolished stones taken away not simply by the Babylonians but to shore up the walls of the city to stop the invaders getting in He's seen hungry people. He's seen the ruins. And round about the city, away from Jerusalem, parts of the land are empty. People have become displaced people, either fleeing or taken prisoner or have died in the warshed. It's a waste where nothing much remains. That is nothing much but the word of the prophet. The city of Jerusalem will be a city of celebrations, he's declaring. It was almost impossible to imagine in the day of the prophet, celebrations? Celebrations? tells the audience there will be joy and gladness bride and bridegroom there's going to be future feasts in the place where every face currently has a frown I wonder what the people felt as they heard that come off it. That's not what we're facing, is it? We're not about to celebrate. We're about to be overcome. We're in this place of death and darkness. But Jeremiah looks ahead. He speaks of those great celebrations of marriage. Now marriage is sometimes uh, put in the Bible as speaking of how Christ will return for the church, how there will be a united fullness there. But here it's a more basic thing uh, it's something that we are more used to going to I doubt there can be any of us here that haven't been to a wedding at some point and seen the joy and the happiness the delight. And the future hope that goes beyond that day. Because a marriage, a wedding, isn't simply about one day, is it? You look beyond that to a time together. If they were not confident of a future they would not marry. But that's what is going to be happening in the future of this city that communities will build that there will be a secureness in society it's part of life and life will be there not the death that people are focused on at the time But the joy Jeremiah looks forward to is not one born out of human strife. Not even one simply of the joy of working in God's name and a victory being won that way. But it's seen in the love of God which endures forever. The Lord will restore. He will change it. And the hills of the land of Benjamin surrounding Jerusalem and the villages of Judah, which includes that area round about Bethlehem, will have sheep. And the shepherds will be able to rest their flocks. They won't be in fear of danger. They won't be in fear of an invading army. They'll presumably be in green pastures with still waters. Peace and continuity. It is to such shepherds in new promised land that the angels will in time come and sing. And speak of how a greater peace will be known, a greater joy will come. And there's another side too, not simply the ewes, rams, and lambs of the future, but the flock of the Good Shepherd. God's people will pass under the hand of God. Each one counted, each one known, each one loved, each one cared for. These promises of future hope get seen coming true. As the Bible continues to tell its story, as the scriptures evolve, we hear that not only does Jerusalem fall, but it gets rebuilt. God brought the people back from exile. Lives became established. Worship was brought in a rebuilt temple. But there's more here in Jeremiah than simply returning to where they were. There is another stage of fulfillment that comes. When taking Jerusalem the Babylonians had deposed the king and taken the priests and destroyed the temple. Both visions of nationhood, the the ruler and the way of worship, were gone. How could they be ruled without a king? How could they offer sacrifice without a priest? And the answer revealed here in Jeremiah is that there will be a righteous branch from David's line. That rod of Jesse that we sang of in know, Come Emmanuel. It's where today's promise of hope goes beyond that promise of hope that we heard of three weeks ago. And Jeremiah says there's something more than fields... There's something more than having a job. There's something more than marriage and family. There is going to be God's presence and God's will. Will be done. Under the Lord, our righteous Savior, we see that there is a promise for both Israel and Judah, there is a reunification a new building of hope for all of God's people a hope of eternity that there will always be a king and there will always be a priest it's a God who never slumbers nor sleeps day and night offerings and sacrifice will be able to be brought It doesn't need to be a festival. It doesn't need to be a Sabbath. It can be at any time of the year. That our Lord, the priest and king, Jesus, will accept our prayers and intercede them to the heavenly father. It is through him our sins will be forgiven. Through him, an eternal life of hope can come. A politician's promise is sometimes quickly broken. Sometimes they say one thing to one group and another thing to another group. But God's word always holds true. There is a promised land. A kingdom of God will remain. Only it's not defined by territory or in the traditional understandings of nationhood. And this promise of remaining is there. And, and there's a bit of a, a, a kind of uh, a covenant, a promise of how it will be fixed. You know, as long as there, as long as you don't mix up day and night, this is got to hold true, God says through the prophet. As long as there's no muddling there. Uh, and that always um, whenever I see this bit of passage uh, I end up with my my mind going to the the old 1960's Star Trek and Scotty's saying you kind of change the laws of physics you know you cannot change that separation of day and night you know astrophysics is astrophysics you know, the earth spins on its axis. Day comes and night. Sometimes the moon shines in the daytime. Sometimes the moon hides the sun and we get an eclipse. But the sun's never going to appear in the middle of the night. It just can't happen. The way creation is, the way God made All things stops that from happening. God says something impossible would have to happen for me to break this promise. And that impossible thing is not going to happen. Promises to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to the Levites. Promises made through Isaiah and Jeremiah. Promises to the disciples of Jesus. Promises to us today, made by God, will always hold true. a man facing a possible death from his king who's holding him captive or perhaps facing death from an invading army might reasonably be expected to either keep his mouth shut or to speak of concern and worry and doom but Jeremiah is a man of God he's a man of hope and of promise. And of promises that always hold true. He speaks of the future of God's people. He is in a nightmare situation. Equivalent roughly to what we see in Yemen today. But he speaks of hope. We are fortunate that we do not live In such a time as that, in such a place as that. And I don't know when Yemen will see a different future. How politicians will actually come to some agreement. How conflict will end. Perhaps it will not be until Christ's return. But hope will come. And what about us? What about whatever our nightmare situation is? Whatever our challenge that we face? When there is illness, when there is financial worries, family difficulties going on. Are we still able to think, as Jeremiah did, of how God remains true? God does. He keeps his promise. God loves you. He counts you with his hand. He cares for you as his sheep. May you have hope in him each day until that great day when Christ will come again.